0: 9397 or text us on the castle heating and cooling text line 217-351-5357 or email us at talk at wdws.com. now here's your host brian barnhart
1: and good morning everybody we've made it to friday beautiful friday here in east central illinois a high of 78 in our forecast. This is San Diego weather. Here we're having in the middle of August, so it's uh, good to be with you here in Champaign-Urbana on fourteen hundred and ninety-three nine FM. Glad you're with us today. Looks like we're uh, dry for a while as far as any rain, so uh, that looks good as far as uh, outdoor activity. A couple of weeks out from the start of the Illinois football season, high school football season, And all that's happening, a lot of fall activities to uh, get ready for here pretty soon. It won't be long. So we're moving right through the summer here on the 12th day of August. Great to have you with us. I'm Brian Barnhart, honored to be your host here again today. We've got an hour of open line here at the beginning, 9 to 10. So we'll talk about all that's happening, of course, with uh, former President Trump and the uh, Justice Department and Merritt Garland. And all the back and forth there, that certainly has been uh, getting a lot of coverage, a lot of reaction to it. Uh, Here lately, the uh, Attorney General says he wants the uh, judge to release the federal warrant the FBI used to search Mar-a-Lago down there in Florida. Trump, uh, the former president, said earlier this morning, go ahead and release it immediately. So I don't know if it'll be today or over the weekend or Monday or whatever the case may be, but we'll see where that goes. Uh, Ann Hesch, well-known, I think. A lot of people recognize her actress and so forth. Uh, Not expected to survive a crash. She was uh, badly burned in a crash. That's the latest on that. Uh, The Illinois State Fair officially opens. So if you're headed over to uh, Springfield, I'll be over there tomorrow making an appearance at the State Fair. So we're looking forward to that. Should be a good day. Savoy begins looking for a full-time fire chief. Headline today in the News Gazette, major moment for Danville star as uh, Chucky Robinson called up to the major leagues. He gets called up the day the Reds are playing in the Dyersville-Iowa game out there, the Field of Dreams game. Now, based on the box score, he didn't play, uh, from what I understand, but he was called up to the big leagues, and what a place to go for your first game, huh? Show up and go to Dyersville-Iowa. For the Field of Dreams game that the Cubs won last night, by the way, over the Reds. Johnson & Johnson says it'll stop selling a talcum powder worldwide. That's an interesting story. Uh, coming up in the second hour today, uh, Doug Wilson, a guy I've known for a long time, a Unity High School graduate. I think he graduated about a year after I did. But he's been uh, in interior design, was on television with the uh, Trading Spaces, Uh, has done all kinds of national television work. And uh, he's in town, and he's got a couple of guests coming with him uh, today in the second hour. Uh, Carolyn Bailey is the owner of Cinema Gallery in downtown Urbana. Jacqueline Lowenstein is the uh, board member and past president of the board at the uh, Station Theater in Urbana. And Charlie Harris, one of the owners of the Rose Bowl over in Urbana. And currently touring with Chicago Farmer and the Field Notes. We'll have uh, those in with us here in the second hour here on a Friday as we head into the weekend. Monday, we'll introduce you to a man named Carlos Brown. We'll tell his story a little bit, explain that on Monday. Tom Kasich, will say farewell to him. Tom will still be around a little bit, but he's uh, retiring even more as Kathy Reiser begins to take over the uh, mailbag. Uh, Wednesday, we'll get ready for the U of I school year with Vice Chancellor Mike DiLorenzo. We've had him on. Always a lot of good information from Mike. Thursday, we'll talk about the shortage of referees. You may have heard this story. Uh, Some of the high school uh, teams and games in the state of Illinois moved around a little bit to Saturdays and other uh, accommodations made because they're just flat out short of referees and officials. We'll talk to Mark about that. He is a high school official. So that's next week. And then uh, here in a couple of weeks, we'll be into game week. We've got coaches shows coming up. We've got high school football on our sister station, Light Rock 97.5. You'll be hearing about that here starting pretty soon on Friday nights. So we're getting geared up. Glad to have you along here today. It's 9 on a Friday here in mid-August almost at August the 12th. Adam Austin, our producer today, So glad you're with us, and we got a penny for your thoughts coming up here on a Friday. It's easy to listen to us anywhere. Download the News Gazette app and click on Listen Live to News Talk 1400 at 93.9 FM. 913. Want a penny for your thoughts. Again, the uh, phone number is 217-3569397. That's the phone number. Text line is 217-3515357. And you can always email us, of course, at talk at wdws.com. CDC out with some new guidelines, recommendations for COVID 19 control measures. New guidelines released yesterday. The agency no longer recommends staying at least six feet away from other people to reduce the risk of exposure. That's a shift from guidance that's been in place since the early days of the pandemic. The new uh, CDC guidelines also say contract tracing, another hallmark during the pandemic, should be limited to hospitals and certain high-risk group living situations, such as nursing homes. And the guidelines de-emphasize the use of regular testing to screen for COVID-19, except in certain high-risk settings like nursing homes and prisons, for example. The new guidance also does not advise quarantining people who have been exposed to COVID but are not infected. But the guidance that came out yesterday does uh, keep some measures the same, encourages testing for people with symptoms. It also says uh, people who test positive should stay home for at least five days. Wear a mask around others for 10. Also continues to recommend that people wear masks indoors in about half the country. And the changes and acknowledgment, they say, that the SARS-CoV-2 may be with us for the long haul. Yeah, something we're going to have to manage over time. I don't think it's ever going to completely disappear. All right, and the news from uh, Merritt Garland yesterday, the Attorney General... Announced yesterday the Justice Department asking a federal judge to unseal the search warrant against former President Trump for his uh, Mar-a-Lago estate. The president this morning, former president, saying, yes, go ahead, open it immediately. And there's been uh, kind of a couple of reports say, well, the documents they were looking for were related to nuclear uh, secrets or classified information. Uh, The former president denies that. So if they're going to open it up, I guess we'll see. We'll learn a little bit about what's been going on. Uh, good morning, Brian. I watched the Cincinnati Reds lose last night in Iowa. My Cincinnati Reds, he says. The bright side was seeing Ken Griffey Sr. and Ken Jr. and Johnny Bench and Barry Larkin walking out from the cornfield. Yeah, that was, uh, that was pretty cool. I, I saw the clips of that. I didn't see it when it happened. And then they had a, um, what are those things called? The um, Oh, that I, I just went blank. They had Harry Carey sing the national anthem. But it was one of those holograms, I guess, is what it was, which looked kind of cool, but it also looked a little spooky. I, I don't know. I don't know what you thought about that. That was a seventh-inning stretch. So, anyway, the game was on. Cubs won it last night. Looked pretty cool on TV. A lot of great, if you're a TV director, and I did a little bit of this in college, but if you're a TV director, getting just, it'd be like uh, shopping in a candy store of all the candy that you really like. You're just, oh, man, I want some of that, and I want this shot, and I want that shot. Because there were just so many, so many good camera angles to look at in that game last night. Gas prices dipping to under just $4 a gallon for the first time in more than five months. Prices have dropped 15 cents in the past week, 68 cents in the last month, according to the uh, AAA folks. So that uh, news out there. The uh, House of Representatives, due to consider the Inflation Reduction Act, believe it's expected to pass in the House. And China renewing its threat to attack Taiwan yesterday, following almost a week of war games near the island. Taiwan has called Beijing's claim to the self-governing democracy wishful thinking and launched its own military exercises. And I have no clue what would happen if China actually went ahead and invaded Taiwan, what that would look like. I mean, when you look on a map, Taiwan is very, very small compared to China. If you're just talking country size, obviously, it's there's no comparison. Russia's a lot bigger than Ukraine, of course. But I don't know what Taiwan's military readiness is. I don't know what the U.S. commitment would be. But uh, China certainly has been uh, huffing and puffing quite a bit since the visit by Pelosi to Taiwan last weekend. Uh, Good morning, Brian. What is keeping Donald Trump from publicly releasing his copy of the search warrant? Have a good weekend, Steve says. I don't know. I don't know how that works legally. Um, From what I just saw, I believe that what he was given a copy of the search warrant, or his attorneys were. So I don't know. And then uh, somebody else texts in and says, so Donald Trump had nuclear documents. I'm sorry, let me back up. So Donald Trump had nuclear documents at Mar-a-Lago, and he thought that was okay or a good idea. I'd love to hear how this story, how it turns out. Well, we'll see if that's what they were looking for. And if he says, hey, go ahead and open them, maybe he's saying i got nothing to hide. But I don't know. I, it's, a lot of reaction to it, of course, a lot of editorials on it. and In an interesting uh, historical editorial, going back to 1856, the uh, somewhat famous story of Preston Brooks, the Democratic representative from South Carolina, who went over to the Senate chamber and with a cane he beat up the, one of the senators there, Charles Sumner, Preston Brooks was from South Carolina, and uh, Preston uh, Brooks was very much pro-slavery and was, you know, the, the, the whole slavery debate and states' rights and all of that was in high high gear in 1856, went over and just caned and beat in the face, smashed in his head, Sumner, who was an abolitionist. And there was some pretty heated rhetoric between the two. He had uh, Sumner had um, delivered a blistering speech, mocking Brooks's cousin as a hapless Don Quixote-style knight devoted to the harlot slavery. As Sumner tried to rise when Brooks approached him, Brooks was too quick. Got his big, heavy cane with its heavy golden top, brought it savagely down on Sumner's head again and again. Although Sumner didn't die that afternoon, the sheer violence of the assault struck many Americans as a terrible harbinger of the horror ahead. But while thousands of anti-slavery Northerners joined rallies in Sumner's support, the reaction in the South was very different. Ordinary people sent Brooks hundreds of new canes to replace his own shattered weapon. One was inscribed, hit him again. Many Southern politicians insisted Sumner had exaggerated his injuries, dismissing the fake news of the abolitionist media and the fire-breathing wing of the Southern press. There was no doubt who really was in the wrong. Brooks' attack was good in conception, better in execution, declared the Richmond Inquirer. Ideally, it said the vulgar abolitionists in the Senate should be lashed into submission. Today, historians see that Brooks-Sumner confrontation in 1856 as a milestone on the U.S.'s road to the Civil War, encapsulating the collapse of civility, the triumph of tribalism, and the disappearance of the political middle ground. This writer says, I've been thinking about a lot about that over the last couple of years, and I thought about it again this week amid the frenzied reaction to the FBI's raid on Donald Trump's home at Mar-a-Lago, Florida, where he is alleged to have taken and even tried to destroy confidential government documents. Put aside, if you can, your own views about the rights and wrongs of the FBI. Maybe it's overreach. Maybe it's a welcome reminder nobody is above the law. Perhaps you thinks he's uh, Donald Trump is the kind of man who would trample roughshod over the rules and conventions. Perhaps you don't. It works the other way around too. This listener says the same dem or not listener. The writer says the same Democrats glorying in Mr. Trump's embarrassment would have been appalled if the FBI had applied the same tactics to Mr. Clinton, and Mrs. Clinton yesterday. You don't hear many liberal Democrats wondering if the FBI was a bit heavy-handed, just as you don't find many conservative Republicans insisting that nobody must be above the law. And you didn't find many pro-slavery Southerners in 1856 rushing to condemn Preston Brooks in the 2020s, as in the 1850s the tribalism is total and the partisanship is all. So anyway, I just found that interesting when you go back in uh, history. And uh, look at just before the Civil War, you just see some of the the same uh, tribalism, if you will, or I mean, it's just no matter what happens, you know, the other side either doesn't believe it or accuses the other side of this or that. And it's uh, there's like uh, okay, a history. Uh, the saying often is said, you know, how much I love history. History often repeats itself, maybe not exactly, but there are a lot of echoes of the same things that happen all those years ago, show up again in some different form. And it is kind of scary where we are in regards to that. All two one seven three five one five three five seven. Hey, Brian, we need to see the affidavit. Who signed it? Who supplied the information used on the affidavit? It's absurd to think Trump was harboring critical nuclear weapons information. In retrospect, the U.S. government has actually lost control of the Live nukes over American soil twice. Okay, I'm not quite sure I follow you there. Uh, so now that the CDC in other texts says, now that the CDC doesn't recommend testing for asymptomatic healthy individuals, why is the University of Illinois still mandating their spit test for asymptomatic healthy students, staff who haven't disclosed their Jab status, now that the CDC guidance doesn't discriminate between vaccinated and unvaccinated. Well, that might be a good question. We'll have uh, Mike DiLorenzo in next week from the uh, University of Illinois. might be a good question for him. Uh, We know how this story goes with Trump, a listener says. Merritt Garland called his bluff, said release the documents. Trump says absolutely. And later today, Trump will say his lawyers won't let them be released, is what this one listener is predicting. All right, there you go, some of the back and forth on mar All right, 925 at DWS on a penny for your thoughts. Open line up until 10. Doug Wilson joins us with a couple of guests after the top of the hour and some more open line time to start the week on Monday as well. 925 back after this.
2: Get the answers for your lawn and garden problems from the Prairie Gardens Plant Experts, live Saturday mornings at 8.15 here on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM.
1: All right, 928 on a penny for your thoughts, News Talk 1400, DWS. If you need some collision repair done on your vehicle, Gallo Miller Paint and Collision Repair, we've been telling you about them for uh, many years. Go to gallomiller.com if you'd like to check out some of the things they do, some of the reactions they've had, top quality, good job, excellent appearance of your building, extremely polite people. Overall great experience. Thanks again for everything. I would highly recommend you to anyone. You went above and beyond what was needed to be repaired. You touched up all the dings we had on the car, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So they can do all of that. Gallo Miller Paint and Collision Repair. Reach out to them. Stop by and see them. Get a free estimate if you need something done. You never know what's uh, out there that could hit your car. Somebody could hit you. You could hit your own car. I've done that before. (laughs) Backing out. I told you about that. Took off the mirror. I mean, just stuff happens. And it's very frustrating. And you're dealing with the insurance companies, and they have their own lingo and the way they talk, uh, you know, the way they throw out. And that's nothing against them. It's just, you know, they have. uh, terms they use that you're like well what does that mean and well these uh, guys here at gallo miller they've worked in that world and they understand it all so they just take all the stress out of this no matter uh, where you've been or what you've had done to your car 217 356 text line at 217 351 and you can email us talk at com. congratulations again to uh Young man from Danville got the call up to the big leagues, Chucky Robinson, article on that today in the uh, News Gazette, former player of the year here locally. So that's good. And uh, Bob Osmussen today writing about Brett Bielema valuing the uh, Big Ten's TV power. And some more on uh, training camp. They've got another uh, practice today going on for Illinois football coming up as they get ready for Wyoming in a couple of weeks. And, of course, we'll start all our uh, pregame coverage, postgame coverage. We've got high school football on our sister station, as I mentioned. A little more clarity on the uh, text from earlier. Uh, Just to follow up, two megaton weapons have been lost control over American soil. AH bomb was ejected from Minuteman 3 Silo in Arkansas following a fueling accident. A H bomb was accidentally dropped from a B fifty two over North Carolina. This weapon was fully armed, and only one safety prevented the detonation. Okay. Well, there's the background on that because it had left off, and I wasn't quite sure what what they were referring to. All right, we got CBS News coming up here in uh, just a little bit, and Doug Wilson will join us here after the top of the hour with a couple of guests along the way as well in that uh, second hour. Don't forget, we'll say uh, farewell to Tom Kasich coming up on Tuesday in the 10 o'clock hour. He's uh, handing over the mailbag to Kathy Reiser. He's also going to be, I think, we'll talk to him about this, writing one column a week now, but a little deeper into retirement for Mr. Kasich, but we'll talk to him on Tuesday. CBS News this hour, brought to you by our friends at uh, First Mid Bank and Trust. Here's CBS. Back on a penny for your thoughts here as we roll along. 935 Beef House in Covington, Indiana, welcoming you this weekend. If you'd like to get over there, say hi to uh, Bob and Bonnie Wright. Take advantage of all the great menu items. They have a huge, huge menu. Everything from steaks, of course. they got hamburgers and cheeseburgers, a filet or cod sandwich, maybe a breaded or grilled pork tenderloin sandwich, Philly cheesesteak sandwich, wonderful desserts, ice cream, sherbet, Sunday's cheesecake, You name the pie, they probably got it. So if you have some family and friends in town, maybe got that uh, student ready to go to college uh, for the last time, take them out in honor of them and take them over to the Beef House. State Route 63 there just inside the Indiana State Line at the uh, Mile Marker 4 exit. So say hi to Bob and Bonnie Wright. They've had a busy summer with all the uh, shows there at the Dinner Theater. But if you want just a salad, you can do that, too. Or if you just want a couple of rolls. Or you if you go over there now and you uh, get a meal, make sure you pick up rolls and bring back to the office. Because that can be a uh, big no-no if you show up without rolls. And a little more on the uh, airline travel, real quick. Some uh, texts and stuff on Twitter I saw from last weekend. I don't know, hopefully it'll be better this weekend, but... Talking about O'Hare Airport, there were several flights canceled, just the weather and other reasons, I guess, lack of pilots, whatever the case may be. Says, I'm on the plane now after eight time changes, just driving around on the tarmac because O'Hare is down to one functioning runway, it seems. Just spent 40 minutes driving around in a 737 on the ground. This is a nightmare. Newark Liberty International, Chicago Midway, and Chicago O'Hare International, the three airports topping the list, as having the most canceled and most delayed flights last Sunday, according to FlightAware. O'Hare only has two people verifying passport check-ins, one traveler said. The line for that is even longer than the line to get through Customs. My American Airlines flight out of O'Hare was canceled yesterday, 15 minutes before boarding, given $12 food vouchers for an airport where a bottle of water is 4 dollars <laughs> today's, uh, today's flight delayed by four hours. American Air should give me more food, money, and lounge access. You all agree? <laughs> this, is, this is the stuff that gets on Twitter. Uh, O'Hare up to 214 flight cancellations and delays averaging 62 minutes. This is from last weekend again. Just a series of uh, tweets that were out there. Aborted flight, American Airlines 383 at Chicago O'Hare 767 bound for Miami. Blue attire forced the pilot to apply the brakes, quickly engulfed the uh, the fire, quickly engulfed the plane, possibly as a result of emergency braking. And then the story from uh, last Sunday, almost 900 airline flights canceled across the U.S. on Sunday, almost 300 of those at O'Hare Airport in Chicago. So don't know what's going on there, but uh, there's some crazy stuff. I don't know if you've run across that if you've traveled. If you have, let me know. Uh, 939, Mark is with us. How you doing, Mark?
5: I'm doing quite well. Thank you, Brian. Yes, sir. Hey, before I forget, I meant to do this quite a few weeks ago. It was great to hear Betty call in again. Betty, out there, we all love you. Glad you're doing okay, and I know you had a rough time with your husband.
1: Yes, she has.
5: Yeah. Um, another little bone is the word "democratic." You spoke to that last week a little bit, and you know that's a good example of how the left is controls the narrative through changing the the meaning of words. Being a Democrat has nothing to do with being democratic. Those are 180 degrees at odds with each other. Democratic is, is a term that speaks of a certain concept called democracy, which is, unfortunately, the Democrats' version of it is majority rules. That's what they consider a democracy. Well, that's not the United States of America. We are a republic, a representative government, and there is a chasm between the two that's bigger than the Grand Canyon. So when people say the Democratic side, that's, not, that's, a, that, that's a misuse of vocabulary. Follow me?
1: Okay. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Got it.
5: Now, when it comes to Trump, you know, the deep state has been caught round after round of trying to hang the man based on a foundation of lies. Over and over, they have lied to try to get rid of Trump. And the deep state is both sides. It is not a right-left fight anymore. Our nation is under attack by a communist entity called the deep state, called the World Economic Forum. Everything is laid out. They've, they've showed us what they're doing. They're doing it. Our country has been co opted it's, it's not a free nation anymore. And it should be evident to, to everyone. Uh, you know, Hillary, she sold the uranium to Russia. How crazy was that to sell our uranium to Russia and actually get a lock on it? Uh, Kerry and Obama, what did they send? Pallets of money to Iran? Pallets, billions of dollars to Iran. What are they going to do with it? Weaponize it against the United States of America? And then you've got, uh, most recently, Afghanistan. We gave up $85 billion of our highest tech, high tech military equipment. And that runs from what a a army man wears on his helmet to the rifle he's using up to some of our nicest aircraft. That, all that is part of the deep state's plan to, to demilitarize our nation so we can't protect ourselves. And they go after Trump for having these documents, which The GSA uh, put together, they're the ones who who basically said, okay, here's what you can take. Take it. They sealed it. They gave it to them. They put it in a room. Then they came and looked at the room and said, put a new lock on the door. They put a new lock on the door. They gave them whatever they wanted out of it. They're searching. and, and, And now the chain of custody is totally lost. I mean, they had to send people in from D.C. to do this. We're in a world of hurt, folks this we we are seeing the destruction of our nation we're seeing the treason from within and we're gonna pay the price oh i didn't even mention wide open borders bringing in a quarter million illegals every month i saw it on tv last night i happened to be watching a little bit fighting age male after fighting age male after fighting age male walking through
1: all right I mean, hey. it's,
5: it's well, it, it's not all right. I, I hope people comment and really understand what's going on. It's, right. it's horrible what's happened to our nation, and it is treason, nothing shy of treason. And by the way, this is Mark, your white conservative Christian terrorist. Thanks.
1: Okay. 217 356 says Trump wasn't complying with the FBI. They wouldn't have to go get those nuclear documents, which he was going to sell to Russia. The listener says, okay, Uh, 943, let's get a break in, back with more here in just a moment. We're on a penny for your thoughts, 946-217-356-9397 is the phone number. Text line at 217 3515 and you can email us, talk at com. Boy, Trump just gets so much attention, doesn't he? <laughs> It was somebody the other day that texted, I, I don't, you know, people were saying, I, I, I think it was someone who's not for Trump, was saying, I just don't get the, the devotion that so many people have for him. And I would say on the flip side, I don't know what the obsession is on the other side. I mean, it's just like a man is no longer president. And I understand he might be running again. But just this constant fixation over and over and over and over again. It just, um, I don't know, blows me away. Um, all right, 947, and neither side is going to convince the other. They're not going to change anybody's mind. But here we go. John, how are you?
6: Hey, I'm doing good, Brad. I'm saying you eating my weeds. Listen, to Mark and I thought he had a good plan because I think he said he's a good white Christian. I, I wonder if he have room for a black Christians, you know, in his organization too because I, I want to go talk to Nike and see if we can get something started. We got to be like Trump. got to be like Trump. I wonder if Trump can dunk or I don't know what he can do, but see if Nike can give him a contract. The whole country needs to be like Trump.
1: Well well a, I just have a feeling that God looks at us and he doesn't care whether we're white, black, or green or blue or what. He just loves us all. So how about Thank that?
6: Thank you. And that, that's the, that's, you just hit it. The the Lord saw love. Yeah, he, he didn't see hate.
1: He created we're us not all,
6: with, right? We're, we're not running around with nail guns. And I thought everybody on the Republican side backed the blue. Well, I think the FBI is part of the blue. But now all of a sudden they want to kill him. What is going on in this country? I'll tell you, remember I told you? It's peanut butter and jelly time. Yeah. We get silly. This is crazy. This is America, people. If we don't get a hold of this country, we're going to tear it up ourselves. And I do believe the Lord said He will come back and destroy this world. And it, it this is crazy. This is really crazy. But anyway, whew, boy, Mark, oh, I got had to go. I had to go get me some Wheaties. I want to be like Trump. <laughs> okay.
1: All right, John. Have a good weekend, sir. Take care. Nine forty nine here at DWS. <laughs> uh zoe's with us how you doing zoe oh
7: good morning brian um i just wanted to say well i have a few things but first of all to to john the guy with the nail gun we don't know if he was a republican or i doubt it or a trump supporter i doubt it even though he posted on uh on that uh, truth social, I guess, uh, but that doesn't mean diddly.
1: Uh, the guy with and, the nail gun. Who are we talking about? The guy uh, that
7: the guy that sh- tried wanted to shoot up the FBI oh, office. With this the is the yesterday. Gun. He's dead now. This is uh,
1: this is yesterday, or this opinion. is, is this what we're talking about yesterday in Ohio, or is this I something I else?
7: I wasn't tuned in yesterday. Yeah, okay. that one. Okay. Uh huh. Um, and I just wanted to say that I heard that uh, uh, from Boris and Natasha this morning that the nuclear codes were in Melania's stocking drawer. Ah. I okay. think the whole thing is really. I mean, the idea that they did a, a raid like that on on a president, and I mean, this is... Okay, imagine if he, they'd done that to Clinton. And look at all the stuff that Obama and Clinton took out of the White House. I mean, they. St- well, here, <laughs> they
1: here, here's really here, here's here here's where we are. Here's, out yeah, of the White here's House. where we are politically in this country. Okay, yeah, if, this, yeah, if, this happened, yeah, if this if and this happened, if if this happened in re- if this happened in reverse. The other side would be saying exactly the same thing what the other side is saying now.
7: But the fact is it never has happened in reverse, that only Trump, but, you know, this is going to backfire on them. It's just, (laughs) and I I couldn't laugh for three days, and then I started seeing all this humor in the whole dang thing because it's it's so ludicrous, and these people are going to be sorry that they ever thought of doing this, I think. And so, and we do want to see the underlying documents. Trump is um, saying, you know, by, he wants them released, so mm-hmm. um, we're not afraid of anything. And, and we, we, we do wonder if they, were, if they planted anything in there, um, and they could, although Trump's people were watching the whole thing on closed circuit TV live. So we'll see. I'm, <laughs> All right. I'm just, thank you, Brian. Th- thank
1: you, Zoe. Have a good weekend, okay? You too. Appreciate Bye. it. Uh, there's a headline here that says, The payback for mar a will be brutal. Uh, so it is descending on Mar-a-Lago. The Department and the FBI shifted the U.S. into the category of countries whose ruling parties use government power to investigate political rivals. No attorney general's ever signed off on a raid on a former president's home. In what could be the groundwork for criminal charges. Yet if you read, if you read, some media members, Monday's search was a ho-hum day in crime fighting. The Beltway Press circled the wagons around the Attorney General and parroted Speaker Nancy Pelosi. No one is above the law. The Atlantic says the parade proves the U.S. isn't a banana republic, clearly worried that readers might conclude the opposite. The bar has always been at its highest when the investigation involves a former president, even more so when the former president remains a contender for the office. Democrats may be betting that adverse coverage of Mr. Trump will help them in November in 2024. They better hope so. Their media defenders recklessly ignore the boomerang history of unleashed governmental powers and the long-term political danger of violating precedents and norms. The Democratic Congress enacted and Jimmy Carter signed the first independent council law in 1978. And guess what? Two Two decades later, it led to the impeachment of Bill Clinton. All of this tit-for-tat will further undermine our institutions and polarize the nation. But such is the nature of retribution politics. Which is why the wholesale media defense of this week's events is reckless. Both parties long understood that political restraint was less about civility than self-preservation. What goes around always comes around. What went around this week will come around hard, a listener says. And I go back to that story of the caning of the senator by the representative from the South. The uh, political fabric, the things that used to kind of bind us together, they're pretty frayed. And that's kind of a scary place to be, I think. All right, Ted's with us. How you doing, Ted?
8: Good, good. I'll be at State Fair tomorrow. See you around somewhere, I'm sure. All right. You making an appearance?
1: I'll be at the uh, harness racing.
8: Oh, yeah, I may go in there. Mm-hmm. Oh, so they having it outside at the track, or are they doing something inside? Oh,
1: it's at the track. Harness. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. I'll be there. Yep.
8: I'll be around. Um, i just telling Adam I'll be over there next Saturday night for a it's heavy metal group. Come on over. I'll have a couple tickets for him. And then Sammy Hager is
9: ah, Sunday okay. night. Wow.
8: And uh, on a or subject uh, to clarify what Mark said. Uh, that's what Merrick Garland said. That white patriots are more danger to America than
0: China is.
8: So Merrick Garland, I won't go. I won't say what I want to say about him. But uh, the powers that be, in in uh, correcting John, the powers that be are, who are attacking the white patriots are the same people who are. Started the KKK, lynched people in the South 50, 100 years ago. So, no, it's 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 not Wheaties and not wanting to be like Trump. Just want to be free. And John fought for America for our freedom. And he is a patriot, but uh, misguided. But uh, just correct, just following up on what Mark said and uh, Merrick Garland, he, he's Gestapo. I'll just leave it at that.
3: He's Gestapo.
1: All right, hey. And I'll see you tomorrow. Thank you, Ted. All right, over at the state fair, Daryl. How you doing?
3: Hey, good morning, Brian. Uh, boy, what a mess. <laughs> it, you know, it, uh, it just seemed like the the timing of everything is just so so horrible uh, with all the with all the division that we have in this country. It seemed like this is uh, the the last thing that we need to happen. But of course. Um, I don't know all the uh, situations, or I don't know what they're what they're looking for, what they want to find. But I am curious, you know, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm curious about uh, President Biden and and his his part of this. If if President if they were going to do something like this, and he said that he didn't know what was going on, and you know, I look at this one or two ways. If he didn't know what was going on, is he sleep at the will? Or, or, or it's hard for me to imagine that they would do anything that would jeopardize the political climate in this country that would directly affect President Biden and the midterm elections without President Biden having a uh, 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 say so in what was going on. And if he, if he didn't have a say so on what's going on then he'd sleep at the will. And that's a sad situation that we're in. Uh, because this is a I I I just think this is just going to just we're gonna see a divide in this country like we've never seen and I um, I'm just afraid for what's gonna be coming here uh down the pike here in the near future.
1: Yeah, I'm kinda of scared too about it. I um I just you know, there's just so many things that, that just um Tear us apart, you know. And um, <laughs> but do you
3: do you think do you think that do you think that they would have been able to carry this out without speaking to Joe Biden? He's the he's the executive in charge here. Do you think anybody would take such actions without saying, "Hey, Mister President, this is what we're going to do"?
1: Yeah, I I don't know if they notified him or not. Or I'm I'm sure he's. Um I'm sure he's okay with any you know <laughs> yeah. anything that you know if he feels legally something needed to be done then I'm sure he signed off on it but I don't know if he did or not. I mean I don't know how it works from oh, a process standpoint if, with the FBI if, and the White he, House.
3: But. If he didn't sign off on this then they put him in they put they put his his uh career in jeopardy with this. And if they've been signing on him, you know, if he's the president of the United States, it's hard to imagine that uh, that he would just be uh, – if I was sitting president and somebody, and, and, and somebody that works for me, the Department of Justice, the attorney general, they are all under the uh, command of the president of the United States. And if somebody was going to do something that was going to upset the political climate in this country to such a, a radical and drastic degree – I think that they would darn well better come and speak to me before they did something like that.
1: You would think so. Hey, Daryl. I would think so. Thank you, sir. Hey, thank you. Appreciate thank it. You. Uh, let's take a like a 30-second break here, uh, Adam. Maybe play one of the 30s, and then we'll come back and wrap it up for the hour. If you can do that, 30-second break here in just a moment. All right, Doug Wilson joins us here after the news at 10. WDWS Champaign-Urbana at the tone. It will be 10 o'clock Central, and we'll have CBS News with this update. And get Doug in here and see what he's got for us today on A Penny for Your Thoughts.
0: It's the second hour of A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS. You can join in on the phone, via text, or online. Our phone number is 217-356-9397. Or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Or send an email to talk at WDWS.com. Now, here again, Brian Barnhart. And good morning once again. Welcome
1: back. Hour number two of a Penny for Your Thoughts coming your way here on this very nice Friday. It's not Friday the 13th, it's Friday the 12th of August of the year 2022. Glad you're with us. Had a busy first hour. A lot of political talk in that first hour. Going to shift gears entirely here and uh, talk about art and music and all of that coming up here. Doug Wilson will join me in just a moment. Don't forget, Monday we'll have an open line Next week on Tuesday, Tom Kasich will join me. Tom is uh, retiring again. He's kind of semi-retired. He's going retire, to retire for the most part. We'll talk to him about his career and some of his memories here at the News Gazette. Vice Chancellor over at the University of Illinois for administration and facilities, uh, among other things, Mike DiLorenzo. Talk about the upcoming school year at the University of Illinois. And then we'll talk to Mark Schultz on Thursday about the shortage of referees and officials, and why nobody wants to be an umpire. I, mean, I don't know if the fans are just too tough, or I know in some of these Little League games, they are. So uh, they're looking for folks there. So we'll talk to Mark about that. And in a couple of weeks, we'll have our first Illini Friday here two weeks from today. Doug Wilson is with us, fellow Unity alum. <laughs> How are you, sir? I'm you a VIGRAD. I'm good, Brian. How yeah, are you? You're in town, huh?
4: Yeah, you know, I sneak in for clients, you know, periodically. Um, I just got in yesterday, barely, yeah. and uh you know see my mother and family, so you guys know that i 'm always in and out of champagne, keeping tabs mm-hmm. on you guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tell people where you grew up again, yeah, I grew up in Broadlands, well, yeah. actually, not even Broadlands. I grew up between Sydney. And broadlands. So uh, originally went to ABL if you guys remember that. Uh, uh, now part of Heritage, but uh, spent my senior year at Unity. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, yeah. I had came always came to the light, saw always, the light. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? I don't know. My heart still. I think is at ABL, sure. you know. But okay. uh, anyway, But your
1: diploma so. says, unity. Diploma says unity.
4: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's good to be back as yeah. always, you know. Yeah. Course, um, I thought I, instead of what I was going to do today, Brian, um, I thought I would switch gears and um, and let's talk more about politics. Oh <laughs> yeah, I think
1: I just had an hour of that. So I, I, okay, uh, you've had enough. Politics. I've had enough for today. Yes, yes. I don't think we've solved anything there. So. Okay.
4: Well, we've done a, we've done roundtable uh, discussions here before. Um, you know, I'm predominantly known as a as an interior designer, uh, but I have strong ties. I was a voice major at the University of Illinois for a while, and then um, you know, actor, and um, I'm I'm an artist in my own right. Mm-hmm. And um in thinking about COVID and uh in 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 quotes, past COVID, uh I, I keep thinking you know it's something that we don't address that much. you know we address big business we've addressed you know restaurants and mm-hmm. that impact, but there are so many people out there that are involved in the arts, whether that that's you know uh musicians um mm-hmm. art fine artists you know uh so on and so forth. so I thought we would pull together a panel and I have three great people with me here today and um you know, uh, first of all, my my story with COVID uh, was a little frustrating in, in trying to get people to understand what was really happening in, in the epicenter of New York. You know, I, I live a block and a half from Lenox Hill Hospital, mm-hmm. which, you know, I saw the, the cooler trucks uh, bringing the bodies out. And uh, I reported a lot back with CI Living at the time on a weekly um, update. I saw it firsthand and it was frustrating, I just have to say, um, to, you know, hear the rest of the country, uh, you know, talk about, you know, that this wasn't a real problem. Um, And we have come to find out, well, it is. It is and was a real problem, Mm -hmm. you know. That being said, um, you know, we are, you know, bouncing back to a certain degree. So today with the panel, I want to hear a little bit from, from each person, you know, about Initial COVID, and then get into some topics um, as we move along today. You know, uh, uh, what the employee and talent impact, uh, system changes, and how you operate. You know, are you back on track? Um, you know, how did the community support you? So, we're going to hit on a little bit of that as we move along in the discussion. Uh, does that sound okay, Brian? Sounds
1: good to me. We got a first guest on the phone here. So, yes,
4: we- uh, Jacqueline. Um, Jacqueline, are you there?
2: I am. Can you hear me?
4: Yeah, we hear you fine. Yeah. So Jacqueline is from the Station Theater. Uh, So uh, Jackie, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, the Station Theater?
2: Sure thing. Um, I guess I should start by saying, uh, since we're talking about COVID today, the reason I'm not there in the studio with you is that I've had a close exposure uh, to COVID this week So I'm glad that I can at least <laughs> Chime in on the phone um, About me I've been in the Champaign-Urbana area For 11 years now And I'm most active With the Station Theater On the board um, As a producer, director, actor um, Overseeing a lot there But I'm also widely involved In the entire Champaign-Urbana Theater community Um I've worked with all the local community theaters and I have a studio of my own called Class Act. Um, I do training for mostly kids, but adults too. And I also teach at a few of our local private schools. So, uh, pretty busy. I know all about how theater is impacted. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, different parts of the community.
1: Hmm. Yeah, and uh, Jackie Lowenstein is with us, uh, as was mentioned, and I mentioned Class Act. And uh, you've been involved as a casting assistant for a lot of uh, Broadway productions too, right?
2: Yes, that was in a, a previous life, but in the mid-'90s, I lived in New York and was working on the, in the Broadway musical scene mm-hmm. and uh, on a production of The Diary of Anne Frank with Natalie Portman, so, I had uh, a couple of years dabbling in that scene.
1: <laughs> <laughs> nope, you understand. You bring a lot of experience to the table, no, no doubt, as far as that goes. Our uh, second guest, and I, I can introduce her if you want here, uh, Carolyn Baxley is Hi. with us. Carolyn, how are you? Fine. The Thanks owner for of Cinema me. Gallery in downtown Urbana. Yes. Tell us about yourself a little bit and.
10: Well, mm. I've been in the community since seventy three so it's home uh, <laughs> many, many years ago. Um, I opened the gallery in two thousand one and uh, I've had other interests uh before that, but I really do love the gallery and love being able to represent the very many fine artists that we have here. I have fifty three artists in the gallery and uh have uh, had a variety of uh, media on display over the years. Mm-hmm.
1: And you and your husband, uh, Norman, right? Norman. Uh, Involved in a lot of preservation of older buildings in town, I know.
10: Right. We've been doing that for a really long time. We've uh, renovated quite a few commercial and residential buildings. Uh, One of the hardest uh, things that we had to do during COVID was uh, we had to sell our residential uh, buildings because they housed international graduate students. Oh, wow. And... We dropped from 62 students to three overnight, and uh, so we had to make a hard decision there. So that was personally a very hard decision to make.
1: One of the other impacts uh, Carolyn has had is the uh, co-founder of the Orpheum Children's. A science Museum there in downtown Champaign. So.
10: Right. Long, long time ago, yeah. uh, 1994 to 2003 for that, <laughs> <laughs> for that uh, involvement. And sadly, because of COVID, uh, the impact, the Kids Museum had to close. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, fortunately, the building has been purchased and is being reused. But it was sad to see the museum that I helped start, you know, go and under.
4: I remember... Um, going to the Orpheum back in 1994 when uh, it was first taken over and viewing it uh, with uh, Mark Markstaller and some of the board members at the time. And there was water in the pit. Uh, It had lots and lots of problems, obviously. I was thrilled that it came back and and became something. We even had my mother's 75th birthday party there. Mm. Mm.
1: Great celebration. Another guest is Charlie Harris, one of the owners of the Rose Bowl in Urbana, which has been around since 1946. No, Charlie has not been around since 1946. But um welcome. Thank good you. to have you here. Yeah. How's how are things at the Rose Bowl? Things are good. Yeah. Things are good. Lots of lots of
11: live music and performances and community collaborations and uh serving drinks.
9: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So and you're also touring, right? You're a musician, yep. right? mm
11: mm-hmm. Mhm. Yeah. Yep. Tell me I, about that. I tour with um uh, band called Chicago Farmer and the Field Notes. Um, I love
4: that name, by the way. Yeah. yeah he's a, a farm boy, you know. Yeah. So
11: <laughs> the the name, I'll just touch that, I guess. Um, uh, Cody Decoff, he's from Delavan, Illinois, which is smaller than Delavan, Wisconsin. That's where my um, wife
1: grew up, by the way. Delavan? Uh-huh. Oh, really? Yeah.
11: So I'm sure they know each other, um, mm-hmm. or their families might. Yeah. Um, so he grew up there, moved to Chicago. Say his name again? Cody Decoff. Cody Decoff. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um Moved to Chicago, pursued uh, 20 years ago. He celebrates 20 years of being a song render- songwriter under the moniker Chicago Farmer. And as most of us in Illinois know, it's sort of we have this um, juxtaposition of farm and Chicago, and that's sort of what mm-hmm. Illinois mm-hmm. could be summed up as or something. So For sure,
1: yeah. Again, with us, uh, Jacqueline Lowenstein is on the phone. Carolyn Baxley and Charlie Harris in studio with Doug Wilson and... Doug, we want to talk, I guess, about what the, the impact each of these folks kind of went through, I guess, right? With yeah, I mean,
4: you know, yes, uh, COVID shut us all down. We know that. Some of us shut down, you know, uh, slowly, others right away. But um, in bouncing back and, and coming back, um, uh, Jacqueline, uh, I'd first like to uh, to hear from you on how – that changed the station theater. I know at the time you guys were going through a big board change. So you had all of that happening when when COVID happened. So that, that was a tough thing that you guys went through, I know. How, when you guys actually were able to come back, how did you come back and how did that change the station theater and how you guys operated?
2: Sure, that's a a big question, (laughs) but Uh, um, I guess if I can backtrack a little, so when COVID hit in March 2020, we were about to open a production called The River, Uh, we were about a week away from opening that, so of course that had to be cancelled, and we were in rehearsal for the musical Falsettos, which uh, I was actually cast in, and I remember feeling like, oh, we can't open it in April, but let's postpone until May, you know, at that point. And it sounds so naive at the moment. Um, you know, we were looking at just postponing it a month or so. And, um, and then that kept, you know, looking like that was not going to happen. So, um, and then, uh, George Floyd happened. And as we saw that COVID wasn't going away and things were changing in the country, we, um, uh, took the time when we had to be dark and not perform theater to really look at our diversity mission and, uh, scheduled some zoom town halls and, uh, BIPOC conversations. And, you know, it really, um, it was frustrating to not be able to perform live theater, but the break from that gave us an opportunity to, to take a step back and look at some of our goals and start conversations with other community theaters and um, start listening to to what people wanted and how we could come back and make some necessary change in order to really um, include more of the community, represent more of our Urbana and Champaign communities and um, tell stories that we hadn't really had a chance to tell yet. So it was in the end. Um,
4: now, ja- it's Jackie, been are you talking about diversity um, when you say, you know, a bigger scope of the community? Um, what, what exactly do you mean by that?
2: Yeah, I think primarily um, there are a lot of people who. Or live in Urbana, who hadn't even heard of the Station Theatre and didn't really even realize that that building next to the train tracks was a functioning live theater space. Um, and it's we are now about to celebrate the 50th season, so it's been here a long time. Um, and was under the leadership of Rick Orr for 49 of those seasons, um, and now you know with with COVID, we I we had always wanted to do more productions that included, um, the black community in particular, Latinx, um, we're doing a show this fall by an indigenous playwright called the Thanksgiving play. Um, we're the, I think the COVID break gave us a chance to read a lot more plays and, um, make wish lists of the productions that we hoped we could do and be able to cast, um, there's always been a bit of a, I guess, a catch-22 in that uh, it can be hard to cast shows that require people of particular races in the in the shows, it's because we haven't built up uh, a trust and a relationship with different,
9: hmm.
2: more diverse communities. And during COVID, because we started doing things on Zoom, um, that made it possible. How, for how folks uh, to participate. Can,
4: can you explain exactly how you guys did the the Zoom presentations? I mean, I know I I did a, a Zoom show with Paige Davis, uh, host of uh, Trading Spaces, uh, my counterpart, um, and we did the show Mass Appeal, which you know was. A easy show to do because both people are in different rooms at the time. Paige and I wanted to do a show uh, to keep our interest um, during COVID and as we were getting over COVID, something that was creative and it just fit nicely into a Zoom presentation. Um, But how did you guys do the Zoom, um, you know, uh, COVID past COVID? Yeah, so the
2: The first thing we did was in November, December of 2020, um, I heard about something called Enough Plays to End Gun Violence, which was uh, seven plays written by teen playwrights all having to do with the subject of gun violence in some way. And it was put together by a producer in Chicago and made available to the entire country world. all to be performed uh, on December 14th, which is the Sandy Hook anniversary. And so we interviewed new directors via Zoom, hired seven, well, not hired because of the volunteer, but <laughs> selected seven, um, mostly first-time directors, and had auditions on Zoom, and uh, cast the seven shows, and everybody rehearsed independently through their own Zoom links and recorded the plays. They were all about 10-minute plays. And then uh, they all got in- edited together and live streamed with captions, which was no small feat. I have to thank Kendall Johnson as our current president of Division for um, cramming to learn how to put in captions and in- mm. Accurately into those uh, shows, and so it streamed on that on that night, December fourteenth, and it was uh, a lot of work, but really exciting and involved some of our veteran station actors and a lot of new young people, and um, it was uh, had a pretty large viewing on that night and then we were able
1: to keep it up on youtube for an additional week and, hey. um,
2: so that was the first thing we did that was uh like that
1: hey jacqueline uh hang on the line we're going to talk with you some more carolyn as well and charlie <coughs> by the way charlie the your uh, greg i think you mentioned was mm-hmm. it was it Decoff? cody is it, cody is not greg maybe cody. his son I yeah don't know. greg Dekoff was in my class my wife says There you go. See, in Delaware. I think think it's a pretty small town. It is a very small town. All right, we'll continue with our guests here, talk about their experiences through COVID and how they're doing now after it. I do need to get this break in here at 1028. Back in a moment. 10.32, headed for a high of 78 today here in East Central Illinois. Again, Jacqueline Lowenstein is with us with the Station Theater in Urbana. We've got her on the line. We've got Carolyn Baxley with us, who's the owner of Cinema Gallery in Urbana. And we've got uh, Charlie Harris, one of the owners of the Rose Bowl in Urbana. So we're tipping towards Urbana today with a lot of these folks, and we appreciate them being in town with us and on the air. Yeah. Hey, Brian. Brian. Welcome back, Doug Wilson. Too, yeah. Forgot about Doug. I don't want to forget about Doug. Oh, hello, hello. Yeah.
4: yeah, it's really interesting how uh, businesses in the arts are bouncing back, and you know what they're doing to really grab grab the reins and and uh, really uh, you know seize the opportunities that they have as they are right now. So. Um, you know, the feedback uh, that we're getting from this panel um, is, is great. Um, but uh, yeah, um, who do we want to talk to next? Brian? Well, let's go to
1: uh, Carolyn and talk about a little bit with the gallery, um, things you learned through COVID and maybe how you're doing now out of it, or maybe how things changed or a way you operate or anything.
10: Well, there's no question that um, having to close down uh, affected me tremendously Is it did all the small businesses that I'm aware of, but um, you know, I had just uh, put up a new show of Don Lake watercolors when COVID hit, and I was telling Doug earlier, uh, people would swim the Mississippi to buy a Don Lake painting. So I was, <laughs> I was very lucky in that regard because. What I did during the worst months while I was shut down was I was able to make individual appointments hmm. with people to come in fully masked and whatever to see the work. And I did sell paintings, you know, throughout that first year. But it was very difficult. And, um, you know, income dropped dramatically. There's no question about it. Um, you know, luckily, I was able to take advantage of some of the um, loan programs and, and uh, the Paycheck Protection Program. Uh, Didn't too. you
4: get a visit recently from Governor Pritzker?
10: <laughs> we did. Um, the state provided money for... Uh, to reimburse for expenses and rent um, and things like that, uh, as a result of the the loss during COVID, and
4: when did that money come in? At what that point? I
10: believe I want to say it was April of this past year. It was later than some of the other um, uh, financial aid yeah. programs. So we're
4: we're talking quote unquote past COVID and and the, um, and the assistance that you got now that was from the state. Um and not And the it was funneled government?
10: through the city of Urbana and okay. uh individual businesses had to apply and demonstrate, you know, that they suffered an economic loss and in know. Uh, at the end of that program, after the money had been awarded, uh, Governor Pritzker wanted to meet with some of the Urbana businesses that had taken advantage of it. So he and his entourage mm-hmm. came one afternoon and uh, was a very pleasant experience, visited each of our four businesses, and, uh, you know, we were very grateful for that money because that was an out-and-out grant mm-hmm. um, as opposed to loan programs. Yeah. Right.
4: So go ahead. Oh, what um, I'm I'm curious because I do a lot of looking for art for clients um, online. And um, I know you have, you know, a presence online. Did that pick up? Were you able to sell um, more of your art online?
10: Well, I have to confess that. I'm not able to sell it directly online I really need to revamp my website and uh, having you ask me that directly is good incentive (laughs) because I I need to be able to do that a lot of galleries do sell directly online but I was certainly able to communicate with a lot of my customers and
4: Carolyn my website has been down for a (laughs) long time because yes it
1: is just one of those painstaking (laughs) tasks it is it is you feel like you're somewhat back to normal now are you seeing um, a customer a lot of customers well
10: like? somewhat but not nearly where we were before um, foot traffic is way down um, has been you know ever since uh, we reopened but I have a very loyal customer base and uh, they've kept me afloat uh, every now and then they come in and buy a piece of art mm-hmm. and uh, I'm very grateful for all those people who kept me going for yeah, sure um,
4: one of the things that I know has changed, um, because of COVID, uh, it became a politicized uh, issue, okay? So um, I have uh, been doing a lot of watercolor recently. We've talked about, you know, what I've been doing. And I uh, have been doing a piece of piece of art, um, a, a number of them, and it is the American flag, sort of, uh, but, it is, the stripes are faded, the, washed out. The stars are more, you know, circles. And, but I've, you know, used some gold leaf and stuff to do one big splash that is not exactly a star. And there's a white line through the middle of it. And I call it division um, or discord. And, you know, that's what I see, you know, right now, what's happening. Not sorry, Brian, not to get too political here, but, (laughs) but I do want to bring the, the arts into politics and how, you know, uh, we have gotten divided. And part of that was COVID. And now past COVID, we're, we're dealing with that impact and how that influences our creativity. Um, so my question to you as a gallery owner is, do you see art coming in um, any differently? uh, Has that changed? Has it impacted the way artists are delivering you work?
10: Well, it definitely is impacting um, the subject matter of a lot of artists' work. And I can't say that I really have any per se in the gallery that um, is COVID-related, but Mm -hmm. I expect as time goes on, I'll be seeing more and more of that, yeah um, I,
4: I think it's more of a sub, perhaps even like with me, a subconscious influence, yes, you know yes. and I think that goes um uh, back you know to uh some of the things that Jacqueline has said um, to you know how you think about you know what shows you're doing, um, how you're casting, uh, so it it really has impacted us tremendously.
10: Mm-hmm. Well, the hardest thing for me was that I had to discontinue doing my rotating shows. And that's yeah. the way you get new people in on a regular basis. And yeah, because I
4: wanted to do a show with you. but right. you know, <laughs> <laughs> I have to put you off for yeah. a while. Well, I'm, I'm not ready yet. I'm still working on <laughs> yeah. that. But, but my <laughs>
10: space is small, and yeah. I'm still a little bit afraid to do receptions and changing yeah. shows.
4: Mm-hmm. Charlie, you've been quiet over there. Yeah, <laughs> you just been waiting. Wait my yeah. turn. Yeah. I'm hogging the microphone. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah. Uh, so Charlie, uh, you know, your yours uh, subject matter here is a little uh, different. You're a a bar restaurant, but you know you have. Well, we only
11: serve popcorn and candy bars. Oh, pop- but okay. Oh, <laughs> oh, right. Okay.
4: <laughs> um, so, but but you know, the aspect that I want to hear from you is, um, you know, with your music, you know. Uh, they're artists. Uh, how have you operated uh, past COVID?
11: What changes have you had to make at, at Rose Bowl? Mm. Um, I mean, the biggest one is we ha- now have um, use via uh, RFP with the city uh, agreement, a permanent agreement to use the parking lot adjacent to the bar, mm-hmm. as Carolyn knows. Mm-hmm. And um, it's uh, – it's made for a whole uh, new sort of experience um something that's pretty unique to an urban area in the midwest yeah um and that's been fascinating to witness um i've seen it a little bit in my travels in other climates where it's more regular to see a outdoor infrastructure but in the midwest right. it's so labor intensive anyways mm-hmm. this was sort of birth from covid mm-hmm. was yeah Oh, we have to use outdoor spaces if we want to do anything at all. Yeah. So, whereas pre-COVID you might have said, "Oh, the expense to do that, the hassle for infrastructure, et cetera, and so on," half the year, if at best, in the Midwest, but mm-hmm. now it's like, "Well, anything at all, please, Lord." So, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
4: Well, one of the things that happened in New York, um, they became uh, this. The city, the state became very. Um, compassionate towards bar and restaurant owners, uh, so much to a fault um, for me at least uh, all of a sudden, we had these shanties outside restaurants and bars, these huts that mm-hmm. there were there was no zoning for. Um, that, you know, they were knocked up with particle board, not even painted. Sometimes they were just tents with tarps over them. That's how we were living, you know, to COVID. Now, some of them have changed for the better. Um, Now they put – and these are supposed to be areas with air flowing through them. Now they have windows. And air conditioners in them, uh, yep. so and yeah, we saw those with the bubbles downtown. In yeah, yeah. yeah, So Champaign it's sort, yeah. sort of like, oh, we have outdoor space, and this is <laughs> you know for COVID, but yet they they're a little cabin that is sealed tight. Well, it's limited to one party, right? So no, uh, they're kind of open, you know, uh-uh. some of them. Um, but um, you know, the landscape it changes the landscape of New York City. Um, so I think that it's it's great for the restaurant owners, but it does nothing for the overall look and feel of, uh, of, of a city. Mm-hmm. Um, now you guys um, ha- have the parking lot, and I'm, I'm sure not everybody's happy about that. So you know, that's a struggle, right?
11: Of course, yeah. I mean, change is hard for everyone, but yeah, um, adapting and finding ways to, one, survive, to respond to the community, mm-hmm. and to work within your means and your resources. Mhm. So I do understand like you're describing and oh like they were disheveled or uh DIY or ragtag. Yeah. Well, you're dealing with we don't know when we're going to be closed again. How much money can we afford to put into this? We just simply need something to be able to get food onto a plate to have some sort of revenue. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, there's a little yeah. bit of a um Sort of like a, a, a obscure version of fight or flight, right? Right. Mm-hmm. You yeah. Know? What so about
4: uh, your artists? Um, you know, your musicians. Uh, how how has you know COVID, past COVID, uh, affected them?
11: Are you uh, finding the talent? Did bands break up and disband? Oh yeah, I mean every permutation of all of it. I would say um there's, when you are talking about uh, bands that. Refers to so many individuals and in so many different ensembles and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. I would say um, I can only speak to specific things. Otherwise, it w- this would become like we talked about during the break. This would, could be a t- two-hour, ten-hour conversation, yeah, right? Right. Yeah. Um, one of my new favorite local bands formed be out of COVID era, mm-hmm. um, amidst some people essentially finding a group of people that were like, oh, well, I'll play outside in the cold. Wow. And some people from these bands <laughs> saying, uh, no, I didn't want to do that. So like the gaggle of people that were like, no, I really want to play. I don't care how frozen my fingers are. They formed a band. It's more how and, hungry are you? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> how desperate are you? You know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we, um, Carolyn started touching on the content um, and – I think the biggest thing I've seen is like the people that really are songwriters um, in sort of um, the traditional sense in terms of whatever you think, Bob Dylan or John Prine or Joan Baez Mm -hmm. or these kinds of things. There are definitely songs that are COVID that Mm -hmm. the the content, the words, the message would not be so without that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, that's a beautiful part of the arts is... We right. humans have an experience, whether individual or as a mm-hmm. culture, and it shows up it you know? expresses right? it itself, yeah
4: yeah, you could take a song from from the sixties and um now listen to it, and it's a whole different meaning, yeah. you know with mm-hmm. everything, whether Singing it's Singing about the Vietnam war or yeah politics, politics or yeah. Whatever. Nixon or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. you know one yeah. of the things um uh jackie that uh we we talked about earlier. Or you hit on, I don't know, it sparked something in me. Um, I have, uh, you know, a number of Broadway friends, um, uh, performers and, uh, uh, Patrick, uh, Page, uh, Town, uh, Page Davis's mm-hmm. husband. He was up for a, a Tony. Uh, I, I saw an article one day on the fact that somebody, you know, Broadway opened up and, uh, people were getting COVID in the cast. And so then they had to have their understudies uh, take over. Right. Well, then the understudies get sick. And one of the things that happened with Town is there's a trio in it called the Faiths, okay? They didn't have mm-hmm. another female Faith. So they used an African-American male to play one of the girls and he pulled it off. I don't know, He, I think he was a dance captain, and um, also he had yep. a high falsetto voice. And that was a huge success. And now mm-hmm. there is a female coming in as Hades, who, I can't remember his name, he won the Tony. And so, you know, this whole past oh, COVID, you know, how people are having to you know have understudies and then understudies for the understudies and then switch around you know gender swapping in order to make things happen um, I, I'm wondering if the station theater has had to deal with any of that type of thing
2: well I guess we have um, oh. I think the, I uh, knew no, that I, I, <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, I guess Certainly, uh, this past spring, I produced a new play called *Borderline*, written by a Mexican American playwright. Not Madonna. Austin, and <laughs> no *Borderline*.
1: <laughs> that goes back a ways. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's our time, Brian. Yeah, that's right. That's Na- right.
4: Nineteen eighty something. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> um, but no, it is about. Um, immigrants coming in at the Texas-Mexico border, so a little different than the Madonna song, but we, uh, it's an entire Latino-Latina cast, and we were able to cast understudies for all six roles, and you know that was, we, we cast that in last, I think, February, was, the show was to go up in April, so We thought that was a smart thing to do and we were so lucky uh, to have enough talent come out that was capable and willing to understudy and we did schedule one particular understudy performance the second Thursday. We were able to video and live stream. The playwright was so generous with that because it's not always the case when you're you're getting rights to plays. that you're allowed to do that, but because this was a new play and we were working directly with the playwright, he wanted it to be as accessible as possible. Um, And so everybody had a wonderful experience and uh, nobody did get COVID remarkably, but um, we had the understudies on hand and Mm -hmm. they were terrific. And, um, you know, so since then, we really are paying more attention to, Making sure we have some extra folks on hand who could even go on stage with the script in hand, I think audiences are just needing to become more open and flexible if if people need to perform with a mask on, so be it if they need to have a script in hand, that's okay too. you know, mm-hmm. just you know uh, flexibility is key uh,
4: Charlie has something to say, yeah jackie
11: yeah. i I really feel so we've experienced a similar thing. I think the performing arts have a unique. Perspective, because you try to make plans and you have some contingency plans, but COVID has sort of blown it wide open. You know, it's like for us, we used to feel like, oh, let's book as as far out as we can, and we get to promote and we get to make our plan, and we're so prepared. And now it's like you put the time in to do that; things could change in an instant. Yeah.
4: Now, um, but as we're wrapping up, yeah. we've only got a little bit of time. I've got some quick questions that I yeah. want you
1: guys each. say what? Let's do. Let's take a break, and then we'll do that questions to close it out. We'll take a break. That? Let's do that. I Great better do idea. this, or I'm yeah. wow. I'm going to be let go if I don't get my commercials in. Back in a moment here <laughs> on a penny for your thoughts. <laughs> Back on a penny for your thoughts. Adam Austin, our producer. Doug Wilson is with us, my fellow Unity grad, interior designer. Go Rockets. Extraordinary, yes. (laughs) Uh, Carolyn Baxley is the owner of Cinema Gallery in downtown Urbana. We've got Jacqueline uh, Lowenstein with us, board member and the past president of the Station Theater in Urbana. Active as well, by the way, with the CUTC Penguin Project. And runs the Performing Arts Studio Class Act. And Charlie Harris, one of the owners of the Rose Bowl in Urbana and a musician currently touring with Chicago Farmer and the Field Notes with Delavan Roots. How about that? All right. Sounds great. So what do you got for us here, Doug? <laughs> well,
4: I um, really quick, guys. Um, I've, I've got a couple of questions and just like yes or no for these first few. Uh, Jacqueline, are you back on track? Yes,
2: we are. And just, Uh, We have a performance this weekend of a brand new play by a local playwright, Okay. Stoplight. So I have to pitch that. We, We opened last night. It was very well received. It was developed with community theater people over the past year over Zoom and now... Um, it's still a play in development, but super mm-hmm. exciting. Tanya Erastic Combs is the author, and we will open our 50th season in September with Tick, Tick, Boom by
4: Great. Justin Larson. I will be there. Rent, so I will be there. <laughs> Carolyn, are you back on track?
10: I'm back on track in terms of day-to-day visitation and, um, you know, modest sales. But I'm still a little reluctant to do uh, uh, Mm in-person receptions for changing shows. I may begin again this fall um, as the fall moves in. Uh, The new variants keep popping up, and I keep worrying about them. Right.
4: Mm -hmm. But it's looking positive.
10: It's definitely looking positive.
4: Hey,
11: Charlie, are you back on track? Yes. Great. We, the track needs work, the train needs work, the laborers need sleep, but we're back. On track. <laughs> hey, Jacqueline, yeah, I like that. Uh, Jacqueline uh, did you feel supported during COVID?
2: Oh, um, yes. I mean, from the community, we can always use more support uh, financially. Um, right. But since we weren't producing live plays, I understand, you know, donations were down a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of new people wanting to get involved, that's been the most exciting part. Great. So uh, that will continue.
4: Carolyn, did you feel supported during COVID?
10: Um, I have a, like I said before, a loyal customer base, and I did, mm-hmm. definitely felt supported by them. Um, I would like to see, you know, still a, an effort to increase foot traffic uh, shopping for small businesses as opposed to sitting on your computer um mm-hmm. we still need to really push the shop local aspect of business
4: absolutely charlie did you feel supported during covid
11: yeah yeah uh we also did a lot to engage with the in whatever way we could so it was definitely mm-hmm. a handshake relationship but Yeah,
4: yeah. Well, you know, um, Jacqueline, um, I want to ask each of you this last question. Uh, So try to be brief, but what do you need? What do you need as a business right now?
2: More community involvement behind the scenes,
9: designers,
2: Mm -hmm. um, producers. Cast of people coming out to audition because we are holding open auditions for every single show,
9: mm-hmm.
2: um, and you know, so just um, getting the word out that we
10: are we are yeah. here
4: and we are doing live mm-hmm. theater. Great, oh Carolyn, what what uh, what do you need?
10: More people uh, need more people through the door. It's still very um, sparse foot traffic, and even if you come in and buy a greeting card, it helps a small business. Right. Um, You don't have to buy a $15,000 painting to make an impact. Um, You know, like I said, uh, put your computer away and uh, (laughs) go out and see what's available to you locally because we have a lot of great local businesses.
11: Right. Mm -hmm. Charlie, what do you need? Uh, Besides continued support and uh, sort of indulgence in the arts and obviously finances, um, people supporting via um, spending money, um, tipping the bands, paying cover charge, uh, we need yeses. We need mm-hmm. the word yes from the city, from the neighbors, from just no one needs more resistance. Yeah. We just need to sort of help each other do the things we need yeah. to do to enrich yeah. our community well, with art.
4: I want to thank you guys for... For coming in and or calling in, Jacqueline. Um, So it's great, great to hear what the station theater is up to, what the cinema gallery is up to, and and how the Rose Bowl is doing. So
1: thanks, thank you guys. Yeah. All right, and they can you can check out all the different, um, you know, uh, stop by and see them in person. That would be the best thing to do, or audition Mm -hmm. if you can help with that, or. Go see the bands. Jacqueline's, to trying to,
4: Jacqueline's trying to rope me into uh, designing sets for oh, her. Okay. <laughs> right, Jacqueline? Isn't that
1: smart? That is yeah. smart. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Doug, thanks for bringing all these folks together. Jacqueline, thank you for b- being with us, and uh, hopefully next time we can see you in person. And uh, we yeah. appreciate you. And uh, Carolyn, thank you. And also uh, thank you, Charlie. Thanks. Appreciate it, Doug. Thank you. You'll be around town, so yeah, I'll be seeing sure. you. Yeah, say hi. All right, I hey will. Whoever come, come up be, and say, shake his hand. You haven't bought me that dinner yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hint, You could take I me down
4: you, to Monocles in I Could, and I could that, do that. Yeah. I,
1: every time I'm in town, I've got to go to mm, Monocles. I know the owners. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I will. All uh, right. Thank you, guys. Appreciate. it. Thank you, Jacqueline. Have a good weekend. Thanks. Appreciate all right, you it. Can very, relax. very good. That's going to wrap it up for today. Thanks to all of our guests. Thank you for being with us. Back on Monday, we'll do some open line time. Introduce you to a uh, gentleman who's starting a barber school. I think you'll find that interesting. And then Tom Kasich on Tuesday, Mike DiLorenzo and Mark Schultz. and Inching closer to football here as we go along. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the great weather. This is WDWS Champaign-Urbana.